Hey, family, what's going on now? This is Freeman talking to you. Glad that you came to From Hood to Good Thinking. Today, we're going to touch on a topic that is extremely enormous. In fact, if you know somebody with cancer, if you know somebody with sickness, somebody who's struggling financially, or somebody who's going through a major struggle in their life, you get them to listen to this message because all of the answers to guarantee manifestation in their life are in this message. It's a little bit long, but it's worth it and you're worth it. So listen up and be changed forever as you learn about demonstrating confidence. I want to open the Bible to chapter 5 of Mark, and we're going to start reading at verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, somebody say 12 years, 12 years. and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude thronging you, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, again for the great opportunity to share your word, Lord. We thank you that your Holy Spirit will speak to us and through us in a way that is edifying to my brothers and sisters and glorifying to you. I thank you that the word will flow free, of course, without any interference in any way, form, or fashion and have the impact that you desired for it to have. I thank you also that all who hear it today will be put in remembrance by your Holy Spirit in the days to come so that they can bear fruit unto your glory and they can have a good ending to their story in Jesus' name. And all who agreed said, amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. I want to ask you a question real quick. What is the most valuable commodity on earth? I know when I ask that question, it automatically makes us begin to think of all the things that people think is valuable. Some might say gold. Some might say diamonds. Maybe oil is the most valuable commodity. Water, some, something that you would think is a great commodity, the most valuable thing to be exchanged may not actually be what is the most valuable. Some would say platinum, but it's not platinum. You know what it really is? Faith. Faith is the most valuable asset on earth. I'm going to say that again. Faith is the most valuable asset on earth that you can ever acquire. Oftentimes, men get down deep in holes and they mine for coal. Why are they mining for coal? Why did they climb down in that hole? They climbed down in that hole because they felt like something valuable was down there. They risked their life and went miles underground because... The thing that they were trying to get, they considered valuable. And they knew they could exchange it for wealth that would change the status of their family and the comfort of their life. Not only do they go after coal, which is only a fuel that's used to give light to certain countries and certain places, but they also go after gold and silver and all sorts of things. And they give great pursuit to mine out these things that they think is valuable. But I'm here to tell you, that the most important, the most valuable asset that you will ever have and ever possess in life is faith in God. Somebody say faith in God. Faith in God is probably a million times more valuable than money. I couldn't even, that's really not, that's still incomparable. The reason I say that is because money has limits, right? Money has limits. In fact, we know that faith in God has no limits because it tells us in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, it says, to him that believes, all things are possible. The word believe there is the word faith, which means to him that acts in faith, all things are possible. How many things? How many things? 
all things are possible to him that believe. That means that faith is the single most valuable commodity on earth because it can be exchanged for all things. Gold, diamonds, American dollar cannot be exchanged for all things. You cannot exchange it for health. You cannot exchange it for a family. You cannot exchange it for your children's recovery. You cannot exchange it for lots of things. In fact, the commodity of faith is one thing that can be exchanged not only in America, but in every country, in every people group, in every place on earth. It can be exchanged in the air of an airplane, on the sea in a ship, or underground in a, underwater in a submarine. Because faith in God taps in to the impossible and makes all things possible. In the story, it talks about faith. But it talks about faith in a different way. And I kind of want you to take this away from this message today. Somebody say, demonstration of confidence. I want you to define faith as a demonstration of confidence. You see, what some people think is faith is not faith. Faith is always demonstrated. Faith is never hidden and it's never quiet. Faith will always be put on display. In fact, your whole life you've been displaying or demonstrating your confidence in whatever it is you confided in. So let's go about understanding what a demonstration is. When I used to go to the Apple store, actually I went to the Apple store just the other day and got a, a new MacBook. They have these phones and they have them connected to these little links, these chains, so you don't walk away with them. And you can get the phone, pick it up, and you can begin to push all the buttons and see what they call the demo. You can see the demo, and when you look at the demo, it shows you what's in the phone. Somebody say a demonstration shows you what's in a thing. Say that again. A demonstration shows you what's in a thing. So after I see what's in the thing, then I decide if I want it or not, right? Because after seeing what's in it, I find confidence in that thing, and I decide to take it or I decide not to take it. But that's just a demo that you see in a store. What I'm trying to show you is that every time you demonstrate confidence, it reveals something that is already present or evident in you. And your whole life, you live demonstrating confidence. Now, you can demonstrate confidence in natural arenas, or you can demonstrate confidence in supernatural arenas. But the thing you confide in can only give you the power it contains. I'm going to say that again. The thing you put your confidence in can only release the power that it contains. Natural things have very little power. How many know that when you came in the room, you had confidence that you would hear a message from God? A demonstration of your confidence? was to come in the room. How many knew that when you got in the room, you had confidence that the chair would have the stability to hold your body weight? And you demonstrated your confidence by sitting down on the chair. These are ways that we demonstrate confidence in the natural realm. The chair only has the ability to hold a certain amount of weight, right? So your confidence in it is limited to its ability. When we put our confidence in natural things, not only are they limited by their abilities, but our, what we get out of it is limited by their abilities. Let's go back to the story. This woman is not an average woman. This woman has lived a long life. And for 12 years, she's suffered many things, the Bible says. For 12 years, she had an issue of blood, and she was one of the people that had to cry out unclean whenever she walked down the street so that people didn't get near her and so that a priest wouldn't touch her because she had an issue of blood. She's a person who subconsciously and quietly in her alone time had to conclude that she could not have children. She had to conclude that she would never have a family or possess a husband or even have a future. And for 12 long years, these thoughts plagued her mind. And as a result of the pain and the suffering that she had endured for these long years, she decided that she would demonstrate her confidence in natural arenas. So the Bible says that she had suffered many things of many physicians. What does that mean? That means that this little woman Saved up money. How did she make the money? Who knows? We know it wasn't from a regular job because she was amongst the isolated. So maybe she, she knit 
or crocheted, or maybe she made garments, but she did some, something somewhere in an isolated room that made an income. And every dime, every dollar, every hour that she exchanged for that dollar, she gave into the potential of health. And for 12 years, she suffered through that. Now look at this. She probably paid money to ride a donkey from one city to another city after investigating who it was that who could, could potentially help a woman with an issue of blood. She went there and she suffered many things of these physicians. And the Bible says after she suffered many things, she spent all that she had and rather grew worse. What was she doing? She was demonstrating her confidence in a natural realm. Every time you demonstrate your confidence in a natural realm, you're going to suffer many things. Every time you demonstrate your confidence in a natural realm, you're going to lose and spend all that you have and just grow worse. Why is that? It's because the natural realm is set up to transfer your wealth out of your hands into someone else's hands. This is why the medicine that you buy gives you four hours of relief rather than 40 hours of relief. Because they want to transfer what you've accumulated into their hands while you suffer many things. Because you've given confidence and chosen to depend on a natural realm. The Bible says that she spent all she had. What was the source of her confidence? What was the belief that she had as confidence? She believed and demonstrated confidence in her money potentially helping her health. She believed that if she traveled to and fro and saw many physicians, that potentially one of them would have the answer. So she worked, she struggled, she remained isolated and shame-filled, and then took the money from the work and the struggle and gave it to the people who couldn't help her. Somebody say, wrong demonstration of confidence. Now, when I talk to you about faith, I want you to, from this day forward, take the definition of faith as a demonstration of confidence. Because if there is no demonstration, there is no faith. What is faith? Faith begins by hearing. Faith in God begins by hearing the word of God, right? And then hearing the word of God, meditating on the inside, meditation will give birth to motivation that will give birth to a demonstration. I'm going to say that again. When you grab a hold of the word of God, you begin to meditate on it. And then meditation on the word of God will give birth to motivation. And then all of a sudden, there'll be a demonstration of confidence. And bam, God shows up on the scene. This woman for 12 years suffered. But then it says in verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus. Let me tell you what happened with her. She suffered and she suffered and she suffered some more. She depended on the world. She depended on the doctors and she depended on her money and she suffered some more. And then she heard of Jesus. Now, when she heard of Jesus, she did something that not many of us saw. Because it's actually not directly written in the scripture, but it is indirectly mentioned by her demonstration. Notice what it says. It says, when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. The actual scripture says that she touched the hem of his garment. And it says, for she said, continually it says in the Amplified Bible, if I may touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. If I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. If I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. What is she doing? She's meditating. If I but touch the, in, the hem of his garment, I shall, shall be made whole. Then what's she doing? She's motivating. First she meditates, then she motivates, and then she demonstrates by risking her life. She risked her life to get healed. Because she was supposed to declare herself unclean. She was supposed to not touch people. But yet she broke through a crowd touching people, which could have got her stoned to death. 
because she was so motivated that her faith couldn't help but be demonstrated. And as she pushed through the crowd, she touched the hem. She didn't want to touch his hands. She didn't want him to touch her. She didn't want any. All she knew was all she needed to do was touch the hem of his garment. That portion of the scripture tells us the origin of her confidence. And it's found in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. If you got one of those fast phones to switch over there. It says this. It says, when the son of righteousness arrives, he will arrive with healing in his wings. The word wings means in the hem of his garment. What did she see in the word of God? She saw in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, that when the son of righteousness arrives, remember Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. There was a 400 period after the Old Testament book till when Jesus arrived in the beginning of Matthew. So this woman found the Old Testament, meditated, got to the very end of the whole Bible and saw that one day, after all these years, after all this pain, after all this suffering, there's coming one who is the son of righteousness, and he's going to come with healing in the hem of his garment. This is why she pursued the hem of his garment. This is why her demonstration of confidence was aimed at the hem of his garment. Somebody say, what's the origin of your confidence? Too many Christians don't really have confidence in God. They have confidence in men and confidence in things men have said. Did you know if I, God told me to give my car away and I choose to obey God and I go and I give my car away, I say, and I tell, the, tell you guys, God told me I was meditating on the word and God told me to give away my car. I maybe didn't tell you that I, I had first been meditating on give and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto my bosom. If I had told you that part, then you would have had an origin. But because I just said God told me to give my car away, so I gave my car away, and this is my brand new drop top uh, Maybach. Because my seed turned into a harvest, and this is how I roll with the wind blowing through my hair. Right? But look. Because I tell you that, you get excited. And you go and give your car away. And you're going to be riding a bus. Go get, you a, go get you an orca. Get you an orca card. It's going to be a train and some pain. Now, why is that? It's because you had a wrong origin. It's because instead of putting your confidence in God, directly, you put your confidence on what you heard from man. And your demonstration was one that came out of a confidence in what you heard men talking about rather than what you heard God say. Let me tell you the most powerful sentence in the Bible. Most powerful sentence in the whole Bible. It was said by Mary when Jesus was at the wedding in John chapter 2. He said to the guys who was going to go fill the buckets, he said, whatever he says unto you, do it. That's the most powerful sentence in the whole Bible. Whatever he says to you, do it. Why? Because that is where the power is going to be born. Not whatever they say. Not whatever such and such said. Not whatever I seen on Facebook. It's whatever he says to you. And see, if I live life responding and giving confidence to natural things, even natural men, I'll suffer many things. I'll spend all that I have, and things will grow worse. If I say, we need some people to serve, so you say, I'm going to serve, because he said, need some people to serve. You know what service can become? what the Bible calls dead works. What are dead works? Things we do that we think are earning us brownie points. Ain't no brownies, and it ain't no points. <laughs> it's just flat out. As long as you think that, you're not only motivated wrong, but your demonstration of confidence isn't faith at all. And it's going to cause a failure that makes you disappointed and maybe even blame God. But God didn't do it. 
you confided and depended on someone or something other than God. This woman, after being broke, after suffering and growing worse, decided she would change the demonstration of her confidence. She decided it was no longer man's way that would work. And the moment she changed how she demonstrated her confidence, the power showed up and healed her completely. And Jesus wasn't even aware of it. You say, hold on, Jesus is supposed to know everything. And, and Jesus, he knows all the whole world. He can see everything at the same time. No. Read the story. Jesus looked about. Who touched me? Who had the touch of faith? Who meditated on my word until meditation created motivation? Who went from meditation and motivation to demonstration? Who touched me and pulled out of me the power to change them without even my knowledge? Why did he come off like that? Why did he respond like that? Because he knew somebody somewhere in the midst of lots of people thronging him, the Bible says, which means they were bumping into him everywhere. Somebody touched him as a demonstration of confidence. In the Bible, it tells us this in Luke 8, Luke 18 and 8. It says that when Jesus comes, the Son of Man, it says, will the Son of Man find faith when he returns? How many know if I say I'm going to, if you call me and you say, what you doing? I say, I'm, I'm trying to find my keys. How many know that tells you that I'm looking for my keys, right? How many know if you say, uh, if you say I'm trying to find a husband? How many know that means you're looking for a husband, right? I certainly hope so, because if you're staying at home with your sweatsuits and, and eating Cheetos, he's not going to knock on the door. But anytime you say you find something, that means that there's a, a, a per pursuit. And when the Bible says that Jesus, when the Son of Man comes, will there be faith? He's, look, he's looking to find faith. He's looking only to find. It doesn't say he's looking to find the first AME church of the such and such. It didn't say he's looking to find uh, who really understands grace the best. It didn't say that he's looking for the people who go to faith churches and think they're faith people, but don't demonstrate confidence. It only said he's looking for faith. And what did we learn faith is today? A demonstration of confidence. What is Jesus looking for? A demonstration of confidence. What was it that made God tell Abraham, because you've done this thing, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed coming in and blessed going out? It was Abraham's demonstration of confidence. What made Noah live and survive when the devastation and the water rose up and began to kill everybody underneath it? And when judgment hit and those died under the water, he rose above the water and judgment couldn't take him under. Instead, he went over. It was his demonstration of confidence. God is not looking for somebody who thinks they got faith. I go to a faith church. I'm a faith man. What you believe in God for? Rolls Royce. Oh, really? What scripture are you standing on? Huh? Where'd you find a Rolls Royce in the Bible? Huh? Look at this. The Bible talks about different kinds of faith. Okay? And we can't disregard any of them because I just told you the most valuable asset on earth is what? So we can't disregard what the Bible says about faith. The Bible says there is living faith and there is dead faith. The Bible says there is real faith and there is fake faith. That's found in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 5 talking about unfeigned faith. The word unfeigned means not fake. He said, you have unfeigned faith. Your faith ain't fake. What's fake faith? Oh, yes. Praise the Lord. What is it? 
How do I do it? I'm jerking. Oh, the Lord was good today. The word was so powerful. What did the preacher on? Oh, I don't know, but the word was powerful. Man, come on with that. And cats do that all day long. They become professionals. Grandma taught them how to have a good time and walk away thinking you got something when you got nothing. Then mama taught them how to go in there and jerk, jump, shout, and walk out with nothing. And now they're teaching their kids nothing. The reason God placed us here was so that we could teach you to be the ones that Jesus finds. We could teach you to live a life pleasing to God. We can teach you how to stop the suffering and spending all that you have and rather growing worse. Now, I told you, what did I tell you? Three of them? I told you dead faith, fake faith, live, real faith, and living faith. There's also great faith, good faith, and most holy faith. Now, you can look all these up. If you're taking notes, dead faith and living faith is found in James 2.20. Fake faith is found in 1 Timothy 1 and 5. Great faith is found in Matthew 8, verse 10. And most holy faith is found in Jude chapter 1, verse 20. When it tells us in Jude chapter 1, verse 20, it says, you building up your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. What does that tell you? There is a price. Somebody say, faith won't develop itself. Somebody say, there's a price. Somebody say, good things cost something. If I had $200, and I take my $200, and I decide I'm going to go buy a car. How many know I'm going to give them the $200? Pow, pow, pow. I'm going to get my car, right? And then I'm going to go and get in there and I put the key in it. Is The joke ain't going to do nothing. I'd be like, oh, this thing don't even drive. It don't even work. $200, I got a body and some tires. But I got what I paid for. How many knows if I take that same 200 instead of only giving $200, I decide to give $200,000. How many know then I can sit in my room, dial in three numbers into a key fob, and my car will start and warm itself and set the temperature and change the lights in the room before I get there? Somebody say, he's talking about my car. <laughs> That's it. Just make sure you have a scripture to believe for God for that car. But look, 200000 gets me a car that starts itself, $200 gets me a car that won't start, won't transport me from A to B, and it actually causes me trouble because I got to figure out how to move it. Things you're not willing to pay for, you won't experience. Now, I'm not getting you in a whole bunch of works. Don't think I got to do 700 things, jump through 500 hoops. What I'm telling you is faith does not develop on its own. It's easy to get, but it costs you something, and it's worth it. It costs you to sit and meditate on scriptures. The entrance of that word gives light. The entrance of that word gives light. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Given it to be given unto you. Given it to be given unto you. What happens? You sit and meditate, and you meditate. And you meditate till you get motivated. Now, all of a sudden, you're motivated. What are you motivated to do? What it says, give. Because it says give and it'll be given unto you. So you're motivated to give. And as that motivation continues to stay and you continue to stay on that motivation, it'll start making you, forcing you, making you have to do a demonstration. And then the moment you demonstrate confidence, it's that started in the invisible realm. The invisible realm responds. And it forces your situation to line up with what you confided in. The origin of your confidence has got to be God. If it's not God, it's a failure. If it's not God, it's a mistake. If it's not God, it may cause disappointment that you don't need to have. This is why pursuing what he said is more valuable than what they did. Listen to this. There's levels in confidence. When you begin in your pursuit of God, 
he responds to your low-level demonstration. He says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Then he says, believe and be baptized. Get baptized. You're saved. These are physical acts, right? Physical acts of faith. Faith that can be seen. Visible stuff that shows you believe, right? Right? And then... As you grow, you'll find that he takes you from believe and be baptized to speak to the mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. He's trying to take you from faith, good faith, up to great faith. Somebody say, my faith grows. Say, my faith grows exceedingly. Now, the way it grows is how I just told you. Meditation until motivation gives birth to demonstration, right? How does it grow? What's the first thing? Meditation on the Word of God. What comes after that? Motivation to do what the Word says. And what's the thing that unleashes the power? Demonstration of confidence that you got from the last two. So when you get there, God shows up. And he'll show up and change everything. I wanted you to see this too real quick. If I pray for you or you come to me and you say, Pastor Free, I'm leaving God for some money. You know, I want to keep the lights on. And I'm leaving God for this. Uh, uh, no, no, let's say, let's say I'm believing God for some money for a car. I say, okay, praise God. Let's believe God. And I pray in faith. I demonstrate my confidence in the word of God and pray in faith. Right? My demonstration of confidence is that I prayed in faith. And then your demonstration of confidence walks away and people say, uh, hey man, how are you getting to work? Oh man, I, I, I ain't never, man, I, you know me, it's walking forever for me. Uh, I ain't got no money. I ain't, I ain't never gonna have no money. I ain't gonna get in no car. I've been struggling trying to get a car, but I, it ain't showing up. What are you doing? You're demonstrating confidence in lack. And the more you demonstrate confidence in lack, the more lack will show up. Because confidence is attractive. Confidence is attractive. You know, you saw that, that ugly dude with the pretty girl. That joker had confidence. He did. He demonstrated it too. Like, girl, I'm a prize. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a prize. <laughs> I don't know how you look. <laughs> but confidence is attractive. So if you choose to be confident in what God says, and you demonstrate your confidence, you'll see that thing show up. But if you believe something contrary to what I believe, we're not in agreement. It's disagreement. Because my display and demonstration is confidence in God's word. Your display and demonstration is confidence in that fact that you have lack and you're going to fail. So everywhere you go, you demonstrate it. You don't try to. It's like you just do it. It's normal. I just believe I'm gonna always be broke. That's why I keep the ketchup packets at McDonald's. I just, I just believe I ain't gonna never have no, no, no napkins, so I keep them when I go to the Starbucks. You're practicing lack. Your demonstration com of confidence in lack. But then you come here and you say, "Hama nama 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 nama." God supplies all of my needs. Ha! Come on now. Do you really believe God? And if you're praying in tongues, won't you get a revelation? Well, then won't you do whatever he says to do? Now I'm going to tell you that something you may have not known, but your whole life is a demonstration of what you believe. Your whole life. It's all a demonstration of your confidence. I brushed my teeth last night before I went to bed. I brushed them again this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, Did, can you agree with that? Amen. <laughs> but I brushed my teeth. <laughs> Hopefully we all did. But I brushed my teeth because of confidence in what my mama told me when I was little. I was demonstrating my confidence, even though confidence in mama only had the ability to produce what mama wanted, and I don't have no cavities or no fillings in my mouth at all. But, but even though that's all it could produce, my confidence was displayed in my action, and it was released the power of what she told me. 
As long as you demonstrate confidence in wrong things, you open the door for wrong outcomes. Because the thing that's not faith in God is fear. But it's also something that receives ability because it's a demonstration of confidence. If you come to me and you say, let's pray, Uh, I want to get healed, I just got a diagnosis of cancer. And I say, amen, praise God, brother or sister, it's nothing too hard for God. All things are possible to him that believes. In the name of Jesus, cancerous cell die, disappear, dry up, and go. Quickening power, rise up on the inside and kill it. I pray the prayer of faith. I demonstrate my confidence. Now, if you leave and you start paying for your funeral home plot in the ground and you start telling your family who you want to do your your thing at the funeral and you start getting credit cards and running them up because you believe you're going to die, No, this stuff is funny, but it's real stuff that people do. You are actually demonstrating confidence in death. And because you're demonstrating confidence in death, just like the cat with the ketchup packets is demonstrating confidence in lack, it's attractive. And this message is because God wants you to permit him, I'm going to say that again, to permit him, to work on your behalf. There's a scripture in the Bible, I think it's Mark 6, and it says that Jesus did not do many good many works because he could not do many works due to their unbelief. What does that mean? He wanted to do miracles, but he couldn't do miracles because of their unbelief. How did he see their unbelief? It was demonstrated. Your whole life is a demonstration. What have you been demonstrating? That you believe you're going to always be broke? What have you been demonstrating? That you believe you're going to always be alone? What have you been demonstrating, that you believe it'll never get better? You say, well, how do I demonstrate in the midst of chaos? How do I demonstrate when everything around me is collapsing and it just looks horrible? How do I demonstrate free? Let me show you. Pay close attention. Watch my face. Even a smile is a demonstration of confidence. My God can do it. It may look bad now. But wait till you see how I finish. It may look rough now, but my God is a big, strong finisher, and he comes through in the end. And the things you see today, you'll see no more forever because my God is good. The Bible says Abraham considered not his body nor the body of Sarah's, but he grew strong in faith by giving glory to God. Somebody say, I will demonstrate my confidence in the dance. When nobody is watching. See, that mentality that says, I will demonstrate my confidence even if I can do very little. Let me tell you a couple of quick testimonies. It's a guy who um, had a stroke, and the whole one side of his body was completely, couldn't move a whole half of his body. And a man of God went to him, gave him a prophetic word, and told him that God would restore him in the midst of praise. So, He was like, what does that mean? And he said, begin to praise God by whatever way you can. And he started praising God with his face. And then he just praised God with his cheeks. And then his finger came loose, and he praised God with his face and his finger. And then his hand came loose, and he praised God with his hand. And his arm activated. And his whole body unlocked in the midst of praise. Praise is a demonstration of confidence in God. I'm going to say that again. Praise is a demonstration of confidence in God. Bitter beer face is not going to get you anything. It's not going to get you anything. Stop the bitter beer face. (laughs) I don't care what you've been going through. I know some stuff be rough. I know that. And I love you. So I'm going to be sensitive as I can. I might just step on your toes. But smile 
Let's praise God anyway. Dance in the midst of that. Trust God. Amen? Somebody say, I will demonstrate my confidence in the midst of the issue. Now, back to the levels of confidence. So the lower level of confidence is good faith, and the higher level of confidence is great faith. There's a story in the Bible in Matthew chapter 8 when Jesus goes to a centurion, and the centurion says to him, Lord, my servant is sick of the palsy. And Jesus said to the centurion, I will come, and he shall live. Why did Jesus say, I will come? Because Jesus thought, well, this guy sees me going from house to house, so maybe his faith is in the fact that I'll go to his house and pray for his servant. But no, that's not what the centurion wanted. The centurion said, no, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. He said, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be well. And then he went to explaining what was in his heart. How do you know what's in a person's heart? Because it comes out of their mouth. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So he said, I also am a man of authority. And I tell this one to go, and that one to come, and they obey me. Now, what made him say that? What meditation gave him that motivation to give Jesus that demonstration? Remember we said the woman saw in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, that the hem of his garment was where the healing was? So that was the source and the origin of her confidence? This man had to have confidence as well. So much confidence that Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Where did it come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from two places. First, it came from uh, Isaiah 13, where it says that God is the Lord of hosts. That means he's the Lord of armies. So this is a military man talking. A military man with a military background automatically understands how militaries operate. And God is the Lord of hosts. So he knows that he could decree a thing, which is the second scripture he got out of Job 22, and it would be established. He knew, it would, he knew the moment that a Lord spoke, an army in the invisible realm would go to work bringing to pass the things that could not be seen and the things that were impossible would become possible because a decree was made. So good faith has a physical act as a display. Great faith believes in the power of the word alone. Great faith believes in the spoken word, period. Great faith has great confidence, gives great amounts of time to meditation, has great motivation to give a demonstration because of the confidence in the word spoken. The difference between this man's great faith and that woman's good faith is the amount of meditation. Meditating on the word of God. He sat there while he was traveling to go and talk to this Jesus to heal his servant whom he loved because not many bosses are going to get their servants healed. So his faith works by love and he's traveling there and he's thinking, if the king of my army says go, all he has to say is go and a whole army if necessary will go to make sure it happens. And as he meditated and was motivated, he stopped Jesus in his tracks when Jesus offered to go to his own house and said, speak the word only. Somebody says there's levels in this thing. God, from the foundation of the world, wanted to take you from the place of a physical act of faith to the place of a verbal impact in faith. Does anybody remember the story of Moses? In the story of Moses, it starts in uh, Numbers. Uh, what chapter is that in Numbers? The story of Moses, it starts in Numbers. Actually, the first time was in Exodus 17. In Exodus 17, God tells Moses, strike the rock and water will come out. So Moses stands in front of the crowd, and he does a physical action. He says, this day God will give us water from this rock. Bow, and he hits the rock, and water pours out. 
right? But he doesn't act in the flesh. The next time in Numbers, God tells him something completely different. He says, now I want you to speak to the rock. What is he doing? He's trying to take him from level to level. He's saying, you've already seen me respond to you when you struck the rock. I want you to meditate now on the rock doing what you had it do when you hit it, but I don't want you to use the flesh at all. Because God says that there's no glory in the flesh. He said, speak to the rock. Somebody say, I go from the physical act, demonstrating my confidence in a physical act, to verbal impact of my faith in God. But what has to happen? You have to get to the place where on the inside, you believe more what you see in there than you do out here. When you get to that place, you can simply decree a thing, and it'll be established. God wants you to go from good faith to great faith. Some areas, we have to stay at good faith. I was talking to the Lord a while back. I said, Lord, there's 500 ways to get healed in the Bible. I said, you said, my son, attend to my words, incline their ear to my sayings, let them not depart from their eyes, keep them in the midst of their heart, and there'll be life unto those that find them and help to all their flesh. So all I got to do there is meditate on the word, and I'm going to get healed. Then you also said, if any man be sick, let him go to the elders of the church and anoint their head with oil and the prayer of faith to save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. So over there, they got to get some oil on their face. Then you said, I mean, it's all over the Bible. There's all sorts of different ways, right? So I'm like, um, what's the deal? Why are they different? And he showed me it's because people live in levels of life. The reason he gave somebody the gift of miracles is because somebody would never be able to get a miracle because of the level of life they're in, if not for the one with the gift of miracles. So love says, I'll put somebody at every area of your life to meet you where you are. Love says, I do still need a demonstration of confidence, but I can meet you at whatever level your demonstration is at. In that same chapter of Mark 5, Jairus goes to Jesus about his child and asks Jesus to come to his house and lay hands on his child and that his child would be healed. And Jesus starts going there, and then the people come and tell Jairus, leave the Lord alone. Your son is dead. What was he doing? He was walking in the direction to the house with Jesus. He was demonstrating his confidence that Jesus would heal his son. And what did they come? They said, oh, he's dead already. What are they trying to do? They're trying to change the demonstration of his confidence. If he stops walking with Jesus, starts crying, drops down and starts, balls up into a, a, a ball and says, oh, 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 he's demonstrating confidence in the word that they said. But notice what happened. The moment they came with that, that uh, report, Jesus said, only believe. And he stopped, shut up, because the last thing he said was faith. He didn't need to say nothing else, because that would only have been fear. He stopped, shut up, and continued on with the master, and his son was healed. The devil wants to change your demonstration. He wants to distract your action, distraction, distance you from a right action. He wants to change what you demonstrate. We pray, you believe you receive it, hallelujah, dance, jump up and down, and then go tell five people the wrong thing. Go home and cry when you see the bills on the table. At night, sleep eating a bucket of ice cream. I'm always going to be alone. Come on now. Stop demonstrating confidence that makes the devil smile. I told somebody a while back, the devil laughs when you cry. That should make you angry. He laughs when you cry. Are you a comedy show? 
<laughs> you know, that on, the, on the gangster show, they used to say, oh, oh what, I'm a clown? The, the gangsters, <laughs> oh, what, I'm a clown? Like, we finna kill you now. Oh, you, oh I'm a clown? That's what, <laughs> that's what the devil, he thinks you're a clown because every time he brings something that makes you look at it, you gain confidence in it. And you start demonstrating your confidence. <laughs> or the bitter beer face. <laughs> no, no, no. Faith refuses to demonstrate confidence in anybody but God. What did Abraham do? He considered not. The word consider means he didn't meditate on the fact that his body was very old and his wife's body was very old. Because if he had sat there and considered it, he'd have been like, hold on, she stopped being able to have babies. How many years? Let me see, 44, 45, 50, 50 years ago. No, 50, 55, 53, 54, 50. <laughs> Let's see, has any woman ever had a baby at this age? Nope, not ever. Let's see, let's investigate. Let's Google it. Okay, I looked on Google, and ain't not a woman ever had a baby at that age. If he had started doing considering all of that, he would have started demonstrating confidence in the stuff that he read. I heard a story of a man of God, two different combats with the sickness. One, prostate cancer showed up in his life. Instead of weeping, he went and got a diagnosis, went and got a second diagnosis, didn't tell anybody. Asked God, what do I do? Didn't speak at all. God said, go get alone, feed your spirit for four days straight. He went in the room. He listened to Oral Roberts' teachings. He listened to praise music. He worshiped God. He's quoted the scriptures. Four days straight, he told his wife, don't come to me if the phone rings. Don't send nobody in here. I don't want no food, nothing. And for four days, he spent and soaked in the healing power of God. Came out after four days, went to the doctor, completely healed. Doctor was like accident. They must have made a mistake. It was completely gone. But what did he do? He demonstrated confidence. Now, listen to this. Same guy. Sometime after that, a little nodule or something showed up on him, like a little tumorous thing. So instead of doing the same thing he did when God healed him of prostate cancer, he Googled it. And once he Googled it, he got 8,000 informational stories of how that thing is cancer and how it has to be removed or it'll turn into from a malignant to a whatever. I don't know what the words is. It's a mess. <laughs> he sat there and he meditated on it. He said that he studied it to the degree that he would have been able to cut it out because of how he learned all that information on Google. And then as he prayed, his faith failed. He ended up having to have surgery. And he asked God, what was the difference? And the difference was, in one, he demonstrated his confidence in God. And in the other, he demonstrated his confidence in Google. Too many times, our demonstration affects our manifestation. And God is paying attention. The way that we release faith once we've gone from good faith to great faith is with our words. We get it in the place to where we go from believe and be baptized to speak to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And we start to walk around telling things what to do and, and acting like they'll obey us rather than telling people about what things are doing. Too many people tell the, pe tell, tell the world about their problem rather than telling the problem what they believe. And that's a wrong display of confidence. Lastly, if you will not open your mouth your circumstances will not change. It's so important that you decide to speak faith. Even if you're at a lower stage of faith, you still have to say, if I just touch, if I just go to church and have pastor pray for me, I'll be healed. If I just get to that healing conference that they're having and have someone lay hands on me, I'll be healed. If I just call pastor and he gives me an instruction, I'll be healed. You still have to say something. Open your mouth. Too many people won't say nothing, and oppression and affliction continue to damage their lives. So instead of saying, like I've said before, we ain't going to have no chaos in here. Peace be in Jesus' name.
instead of saying that, call somebody. And how do I do it, man? There's just chaos in my house all the time. It's just chaos. I mean, they're just always having problems, and there's just chaos. And I'm just, I'm just tired of the chaos. It's just so much chaos. Come on now. The devil's like, <coughs> come on now. Why you want the devil to laugh like that at your life? And, <laughs> and, God, and God is like, and God is like, I can do no mighty works because of their unbelief. He's like, I don't want them to tie my hands, but they've been demonstrating where their confidence is. And they think faith is, they're a faith person because they're at a faith church. But they know that if they go in a garage, it doesn't make them a car. But they think at a faith church, it makes them faith folks. And they won't meditate in their alone time. And if they would meditate, I could motivate. And then once they demonstrate, I could manifest it. <laughs> Got to open your mouth. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says that we believe, therefore we speak. We have believed, therefore we've spoken. Uh, is it Psalms or Job that says? Psalms 81 says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. God is saying, talk to stuff. Let me show you what happens when you don't talk to stuff. Put it on Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. Isaiah, in the King James Version, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. This is what happens. Chapter 53, verse 7. If you don't open your mouth, oppression happens. If you don't open your mouth, affliction happens. When it's talking about Jesus, it says that he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. How come it didn't say he was oppressed and he was afflicted? but he endured it because he loved us. The reason it said he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, is because if he had opened his mouth, he could have stopped oppression and affliction. If he had opened his mouth, oppression and affliction would have scattered. He did open not his mouth on purpose so that judgment could carry him all the way to death. And the same will happen if you open not your mouth. You allow oppression and affliction to lead you as a lamb to slaughter because of being dumb. Kenneth Hagin used to call people dummies. He used to say, ah, it's old dummy. Because dumb means to not speak. He was saying, you're supposed to be a person of faith. The Bible says, righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. What saith it? The word is nigh thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. Don't be a dummy. <laughs> do not be a dummy somebody say I use my mouth and that mess will get out of my house say I use my mouth and my dance and my praise and demonstrate my confidence I refuse to have bitter beer face while the devil laughs I am not a clown I am a king I am a child of the Most High God, who is the owner of the earth, and I will declare what he says, and the earth will obey me. Now stand up on your feet, and we're going to make some confessions. Now while you say this, I want you to see it. Say, in Jesus' name, every person in the position to favor me does so in Jesus' name my life is abounding financially in Jesus' name I am every bit healed because God said delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart I delight myself in the Lord now twirl. I delight myself in the Lord. And he gives me the desires of my heart. Say, I abide in him 
and his word abides in me. So I can ask whatever I will, and it will be done unto me. Say, I too am a person of authority. I tell one thing to go, and another thing to come, and they obey me. Because Jesus is in me. I am his, and he is mine. And from this day forward, I will demonstrate my confidence. Now let's just give God a shout of praise. Yeah! Woohoo! Glory to God.